Hello, welcome to Ignited Youth. We are happy to see you and hope you enjoy our episode today. Connect with us through Instagram at bvcc.youth. If you would like to submit an anonymous question or have a prayer request, please click on the link in the description. Without further ado, here is today's episode. We want to welcome everyone tonight because the experience that we've been praying for, the experience that we've been preparing for this whole week has been amazing. God's been working. And we want that your experience tonight is so life-changing. That is so deep. That not only you can take it with you, but God starts making you world changers. People that will change their community. People that will change their world. People that will change their circumstances. And as we continue this vision series, we're calling it Reignited, right? Darkness cannot put my light out. Darkness cannot stop me. That's, that's the tagline. Because that is really behind every sermon that we're doing. We're asking God to give us the strength to tell the enemy, tell the devil, you cannot stop me from claiming who God is. You cannot shut me up. See, behind this whole series, guys, is not just reigniting yourself to be able to be happy, but it's those things that goes beyond of what this world can offer. See, what I want you to be able to learn and receive is that you get to tell the devil, I'm not for sale. You can't buy me. I'm committed to God so much. There is nothing shiny in this world. There is no money tag in this world that can buy me out, that can buy my love, that can buy my commitment. And that's been behind every, every class and every sermon and everything we're doing up here. See, this series for us is so important for the church today because there's so many pastors there's so many teachers and so many churches that are lowering down their standards for people to be able to flood their churches or receive a message where, where, where the word of God is no longer impactful. But the time that anybody contradicts our sin, we shine away. But that isn't how it works. When God is working and he gives us his word and he gives us the, 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 his commandments, it's not so that we can change the word of God to fit our lives. It's so that we can fit our lives to what the standards that he has before us. And this whole series about vision and living and coming back to life is so important because we see how God, even Jesus, had a vision and had a mission and he never went out of that. And, 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 I, and I hope that we can realign ourselves back to what God has intended for the church because I believe we're drifting. 
We're drifting as a church. We're drifting as Christians far and far and further away from God's real mission. And even if God had a mission and God had, 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 had this structure and how he performed his ministry, then why shouldn't we as a church? And I love it because Luke 4, 18, this is, this is not, this is just, this is just extra references but this is Jesus' mission. He said, the Spirit of the Lord, and Luke 4, 18 said, says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recover sight for those who are blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was the reason why Jesus was on earth. He had a target. He had a mission. He had a vision from God. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. God himself, me, man, we're aligned. We're focused. And I'm spreading the good news to the poor. I'm, I'm, I'm here for people who need me. I'm here for people that are hungry for me. Setting people free from their prisons from their dungeons from their demons from the things that have them trapped man jesus is saying you're blind i'm giving you sight i'm saying people that are oppressed free people that feel like this burden is on them this pressure is on them i'm letting them be free and as jesus did his ministry for three years it was amazing because he never went out of that that's why he was always talking to people under that spectrum. People that were needy, people that were in prison, people that were poor in spirit, people that had no hope. And it didn't matter if they were religious or they were out in the world. It didn't matter if they knew the, the Bible or they didn't know who Jesus was. He came to them equally because everyone is poor spiritually. Everyone is in need. We all have things that God needs to set us free from. God needs to set us free from our desires or he needs to set us free from us being religious. But we need to be set free. And then he looks at the church when he's about to descend, when he's about to go to heaven, and he gives them a mission. And then the word of God says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I'm always with you to the end of age. Then God says, I had a mission for three years. And it went great. Now I'm going to give you as a church a mission until I return. Go make disciples. Go make people that are willing to die. Go make people that are willing to sacrifice. Go make people that are willing to love. Go make people that are willing to imitate me. Teaching them, baptizing them. And let them know that I'm always going to be there with them. And I think this is what we need to be reminded of. See, so many people take this so lightly. I'm taking a month so that we can realign ourselves back. Because if we have a clear vision, a moving vision, a alignment vision, something that we're focused on, God will make his church unstoppable. If his vision is clear and moving, aligning to his purposes, and we're focused on him, he will make us unstoppable. I believe that. 
And that's why we've been talking through Ezekiel 37, the, 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 those dry bones, that valley, those things that are why he wants to raise you back up is to build an army for God to take over and win people back. It's hard winning people back. You know, it's one of those things where I've set tone of, of ministry and, 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 you know, what my ministry was going to look like. And when I talk to people about church and, 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 and what God is doing in me personally, I'm, I say, I want people to come back to church. I want people to come to church. And then I gather lost. I said, people, there's people that have been hurt by the church that want nothing to do with church. But it's interesting how people say, I've been hurt by church. Never, I've been hurt by God. People are hurt by church, not by God. People want God. People desire to know God. People desire, are hungry for Jesus. Whether they're just fed up with church, they're fed up with us. But people are in hunger and need of God. People are searching for God to reach them. And that's why we've been talking through this series, because if we do not align to the things that God is doing, we will hurt people and drive them away. Ezekiel 37 kept on talking to us and reminding us that those dead places, God can do something great. He can bring back us, back us alive to be an army so that we can fight for those that are lost. An army doesn't go in and ask they go in and fight. We need the church to fight for those that are lost. And not just in sin. Just not coming back to church. Fight for them. Fight for them. Look for them. Search for them. Pray for them. As a song, this is how I fight my battle, talking about prayer. Pray for them. When you invite them for this week, then next weekend's coming up for East, for Resurrection Sunday. And for Good Friday and the things we're doing here in church, pray for them. I know they're not going to want to come. Pray for them. Pray, 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 pray that your invitation can be guided through the Holy Spirit. Pray. We need, we need our church to be prayer warriors. Sometimes I feel like shutting down Sunday nights and going over there and praying with the church. Because there's no reason to hear another sermon if we can't pray for the lost. There's no reason for us to meet and just hear an encouragement talk if we're not willing to fight for those that are broken. And Ezekiel reminded us of that. Then we talked about clear vision, said, man, if if, if his hands are not in our plans, I don't want to do it. If things are still foggy and I'm driving through the fog without turning on my lights on, I'm going to hurt people and I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to crash. I need to let God direct me with a clear vision of what we're doing here and why we're doing it. So tonight, it's coming out of the verse that we chose as, you know, to give us the foundation is the, is, is the, is the verse that, that we opened up in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's referring that God's allowing darkness around us. And that's for a reason. 
Because the darker it is, it's going to need more light, a brighter light to shine through that darkness. The darker it gets, it's requiring for us as a church to become holier so that we can shine brighter. Who needs a nightlight? Hey, I still need a nightlight. All right. I don't like things pitch black. I know some of you guys can, can sleep on pitch black. You know what pitch black? Pitch black scares me, man. Okay, I get nervous. I'm, I'm a nervous kind of guy. I'm you know, too quiet. I don't like that. I like someone's going to butcher me or something. I don't like things too quiet. I don't like things too dark because there's something wrong. When something's too quiet for me, something, I feel like something's going to jump out behind a bush or something. Like I'm not going out of my house when it's too dark or too quiet. I need some noise. I'm from the city. I need some noise. I'm from L.A. I need some noise. I need, I need cars. I need people talking, screaming, right? I need, I need movement. I need noise. When it's, things are too quiet, it, it gives me nervous. Texas is a quiet place. I live in Mesquite and it's so quiet. There's times where it just gives me nervous. But the darker things are, I need I need for a light to shine. If, if, if the place is like right now, I don't need light. And if we don't see that our world is dark, then we won't react to the need. We'll think that everything's okay. I don't need to talk about Jesus all the time because my friends are not doing that bad. I don't really need to be this holy person because people are doing okay. Church, they're not. They're not doing okay. People are not getting better. Because people are still walking away from God. Disappointed. Hurt. With questions. And that brought tonight's class. We talked about resurrecting those dark places. We talked about clear vision. And then it just kind of, in my heart, started this theme this week about being set on fire. This theme of not only shining, but as we ask God to put us on fire, let us bright, let us shine. It's two things. One, it's let us, let us, let us burn for you, let us, let us shine for you so people can see. But fire does another thing. It's not, it's not only to shine, but to refine. It's not only to shine my way, but it's to refine my soul. It's not only to be able to show people where to go, but when we pass things through fire, it's also taking everything, it's burning up everything that is not solid. And I love the way I love the way Zechariah 13, 9, and that's going to be our passage. And I'm going to ask you to turn in Zechariah. You're like, that's an actual book? Yeah, that's an actual book. Zechariah 13, it's Old Testament. So that's going to be our passage there, and I'm going to buy time, and I'm going to just tell you while you're looking for Zechariah 13, 9, I'm going to set up that verse with another verse. So I'm going to set up Zechariah with Daniel 3, 13. Because Daniel 3.13 is a setup for Zechariah 13.9. 
Why is that? I'm so glad you guys asked. Because there's three guys that are under Nebuchadnezzar's, this is king, they're under his authority. And Nebuchadnezzar does this, makes this idol, and every time during a certain time of, of the day, there's this music, right? It's like, imagine your, your favorite music. Okay, I know it's not Christian. It's, it's Maverick City. No, it's not. I know. It's Hillsong. No, it's not. Your favorite music, whatever it is. Let's leave it at that. Okay? Whatever your favorite music is that makes you shake your head or you listen to it, you're like, okay, that, that, I, I know that. Okay, that, imagine that. And Nebuchadnezzar says that the, when the time during the day that that music goes off, when the, when the flutes and the trumpets, then we shall bow down and worship that idol. It's amazing because these men says, no, that's there. there's no way I'm going to do that. And it's amazing because this king gets upset and tells them, hey, if you don't worship this idol, I'm going to throw you in this furnace. And as you're looking for a Zechariah, okay, I'm just buying time. And as... This, these men are having this conversation with this king and Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you in this furnace if you don't worship. And then he says, who's going to rescue you? Who's going to rescue you if I do that? Sometimes the enemy thinks he overestimates his power. The enemy, the devil, thinks he has more control than what he has. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they come around and they do this, but if. You know what, church? I want a church with those kind of people. Can you tonight pray that prayer? But the what if. But even if. Can you pray those prayers? Do we have people in here that would say, but even if. You know what, God? Man, I, I'm here. I'm catching on this vision. I love it. God, you're speaking to me. I'm starting to serve. I'm starting to be more committed. But even if this Monday my job fires me, I love you. Can we say that? Can we, can we say, but even if someone dies on my family this week, man, you're number one. Can we say, but even if I get a phone call from the doctor and tells me I got this sickness, Sorry to tell you, even if they'll tell me I'm not going to graduate, something happened. Even if my the college I've been applying for tells me no. Even if, even if, can we have people in church to say even if? Because that's going to change and matter everything. Because that verse says, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know. I'm drawing... The line on the sand, I'm standing firm that we will not worship. And that's a setup for Zechariah 13, 9. Why? Because the word of God says this. Everyone's there? Good. Awesome. You guys about your Bible. Sweet. All right. Or just turn on your phones. We're good. Zechariah 13, 9 says, this third I will put into the fire. That's God talking. 
I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord's are God. Did you guys miss that? It's so easy to miss it. God will put you into fire. And then you're like, we're talking about this vision series, Jerry. What are you talking about? In order to carry God's vision, in order to move forward, you can you can fumble, you can't fumble, you can't you can't drop. Are you guys know football? What's the worst thing? To fumble. Right, Mr. Jared? That's the worst thing that can happen to you, man. You already catch the ball. You're running. You got slippy fingers. What? That's the worst thing you can do. Fumble the ball. That's why they show you even how to hold the ball. Am, am, am I wrong? They show you how to hold it. How to protect it. How to cover it. Why? Because the ball is the most important thing for you to score. You can run through the cross line. You can, crunch, you, can, you can run half of the field. If you don't have the ball, guess what? You don't score. You don't have God. You don't protect God's vision. You drop it. It doesn't matter. You're not scoring. You can come to church. We can build the church. It can be interesting. If God's presence is not here, we fumble the ball. We completely lost the point. And here in Zechariah, God is telling this. He's saying here, I'm going to put you through the fire. Wait a minute. Why would you do that, God? Why would you make me go through fire? And I will refine you. Like, and it says, test them like gold. But there's something amazing at the end of that verse. It says, I will answer them. I will say they are my people. And then what's the outcome of you going through fire? What's the end of that verse? What does it say, church? The Lord is our God. The reason why you're going through the fire and he's refining you is so that he can know who really wants the vision and who is going to respond, you're my God, even if he allows him to go through fire. That was a setup in Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I will go to the fire. He's going to deliver me even if he doesn't. Guess what? I'm not worshiping. I'm not selling out. I'm not doing less. I'm not shutting up. I'm going to be different. You're going to know that God is my God because he's going to deliver me. But if he doesn't, if he allows me to go through fire, guess what? He is still my God. He is still my Lord. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still good. Even if I shed another tear, God is still my God. Can we have people to carry God's vision with that determination? It doesn't matter what I have to go through. 
I'm still going to live out for Jesus. I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still going to remain fired up because the situation is not going to determine my passion. Can we have people to say that? How many of you like test? How many of you like, you're just like me, I hate taking tests. Who likes taking tests? You guys are super smart if you like taking tests. If you're like, man, I love, uh, when I went to school, ooh, ooh, long time ago. And they used to tell us, hey, we're having, uh, what was it, like the spontaneous test? Yeah, just last minute. I was like, oh my gosh, they didn't tell me that. I didn't even bring a pencil. And there were some people that were super smart. They're like, oh, like that's awesome. I'm like, why are you laughing? You guys are maniacs, like, right? Like, oh my God, like, why would you laugh? Like, you're laughing at my pain. And I would get nervous and I start sweating because I was never good in school anyway. I was a solid D, man. I wasn't good at school anyway. I, I always struggled learning. And I, met, I, just, I, mean, I was barely there, and I, my extension span wasn't all there, and it was just hard for me to learn, and, 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 and it, was a, it was hard because I hated tests. I can study, study, and I try, believe me. Okay, I would try most of the time. I would try. And then I started giving up. Why? Because I would never pass them. I would study and study and study and study and study. And then all of a sudden it was test time. And man, I was starting nervous, getting, getting shaky. I would start sweating. And then, and then, you know, I would start stuttering. I already stutter anyway. So imagine that and me being more nervous. I would stutter even more. You're like, oh my God, I can't even understand this kid, right? My teachers would just be like, what's wrong with you, Jerry? And I'm like, and I would just freak out. Why? Because tests are hard. Tests will determine how much you know and it's hard because we don't like some of us don't like taking tests but we like things that are tested we like things that go through a testing process like food right thank god it goes through a testing process like, you don't just eat anything, like, here, eat this. Like, okay, if you do, just don't, don't do that. Just a word of advice. Make sure it's, it's, it's been tested, right? I mean, I'm glad, and I, I mean, this should be even extended testing, but I'm, I'm just glad people don't just get behind the wheel and drive. I mean, here in Texas, you guys should have more extended testing because you guys drive crazy. I'm scared of driving. Yeah, I'm scary driving here. But I'm glad you have to go through a test. They don't just random give license to people. I'm glad my doctor went through school and got tested and he passed. Imagine if a doctor just like, so you're certified? Nah, nah. I just, I just want to help people. Like, oh my God, like I'm walking out. Like, like, keep my co-payment. I'm running out. Like, I, why? Because the things that are tested are trusted. Because the things that are tested are trusted. See, Christianity, guys, is this life lesson. And you will be tested one day. 
See, God is going to ask you, what have you done with my son? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you do with my church? Who did you love? You know that in heaven we're going to have a crown with rubies and just of people that you, that by you accepted Christ? I'm looking, to, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not like all about like chains and, you know, you know, all that glitter stuff and like shining out, right? But man, I want to wear that crown. I do. I want people to, I want to reach people. But sometimes what I realized is that God won't allow things to happen just to happen. It's all a test. The things that we go through is a test to see if you are able to carry out your pain. It's a test. Can you endure it? Challenges, your failures, your disappointments are all a test. Can you endure it? Imagine, imagine, just please, if me, if I tell you right now, no, you know what? No, you're not ready to serve. No, you know, you know what? You need to sit down for the next three. No, you know what? The answer is no. Most of us will go, then why am I here, man? If you get turned down by men and we get scared, imagine when the tribulation comes. If you're discouraged by the church today and that discourages you, I can only imagine you're not going to last the tribulation. You're not going to last the end days when your life is on the line for the gospel. You're like, I don't believe in the tribulation. I'm going to be in heaven. Well, we pray for the best. But if God allows us to go through it, guess what? Nothing you can do to change it. I, I believe in the rapture. I believe God's going to take me. But what if he lets us live through the tribulation? Are you ready? Am I ready? See, it's not just about being passionate and, and, and having the enthusiasm to live your next 30 years of life, 40 years of life. It's can you be trusted with the gospel? Can you? Jesus made it so hard for his disciples he made it so hard for them to grasp. That's why the next series after Easter, we're going to go through the parables. Why? Because I've been thinking God made it so he was a storyteller. And as he would tell stories, he would give the, the he would give God's kingdom. He would give his commitment through those stories. And, and, and the disciples asked him, why are you confusing people, Jesus? How come you just can't be clear? He says, those that want to hear will listen. If your soul is desiring to connect with God, it will connect with God. If not, you're just going to hear a good sermon and go back out and be the same and won't transform. You won't even catch vision. You won't even catch, catch self. You just go out the same way as you came in. Jesus is saying, I'm going to make this really hard. I'm going to make this so hard that only the people that really crave it, that really desire it, that really want it, will receive it. Because this is hard. Because one day you will die. If you look at how the disciples died, 
it wasn't a retirement plan. It wasn't like, <coughs> I'm still sick and, and I just slowly died. They were murdered. Peter crucified upside down. He says, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Upside down. People were cut in half. Beheaded. This wasn't just, hey guys, I'm going to church and hang out. Jesus said, you become my disciples, it will cost you everything. Can you be trusted with the gospel? And these 12 men were entrusted with the gospel because then God understood. It's not that they were perfect, but they weren't going to give up. We want a church that won't give up. People will tell you no. So what? Show up. People tell you you're not ready. So what? Show up. People tell you you're immature. So what? Show up. People tell you you're just kids. So what? Show up. Show up. See, Jesus throughout his ministry, there were always people trying to tr stop him, trap him. But even though it looked like they had trapped him, Jesus was always in control. You might feel trapped. Jesus is in control. The enemy might make you feel that he has the upper hand. Jesus is still in control. Jesus was in the, in the cross dying and everyone was happy because they thought I killed. Jesus is done. Guess what? Old death, where is your sting? Where is your power? Because on a Sunday he rose. On a Sunday he rose. That, empty was, was, that tomb was empty. Oh, death, where is, where is your power? He had defeated death. Jesus was always in control. The cross was never, did never stop Jesus. The, you know, the, the, the situation never controlled. Jesus was always in control. And every situation, every person he talked to was for a reason. He allowed people to go through really hard stuff in the Bible. If you haven't read the Bible, look through every, every person God used, they have his backstory. And it's hard. Joseph. I've had family betray us, sure. I got mean family. But I've never had my brother's... Well, my brother and my sister, she's still here, but I, at least not yet. But they haven't betrayed me and sold me to, sell, me to, sell me to slavery. We've had our disarguments, sure. But beat me up, sell me to slavery and tell my mom that I'm, that I'm dead and something ate me? That's harsh. I'm thinking, God, why would you allow this kid to go through that? Child trafficking? Why? Why would you do that, Lord? Why couldn't you just use them somewhere else? But look at what he did. He got to be in second command of Pharaoh, where then his brothers were brought, keep on reading the story, into Egypt 
and that's where the people of God was born. It's all a setup for a blessing. That's what Pastor was talking about. Today is like a double dipper. I'm just piggyback on Pastor's sermon this morning. One of the best, man, that was an awesome sermon. It's a setup for a blessing. Your pain is a setup for a blessing. Don't think God has abandoned you. Don't think God has forgotten about you. That's why when Jesus is having this conversation with this woman on the well in John 4, Jesus is having a conversation with this woman that first of all, it's a woman, and you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Now, nothing. Back then, it was, they weren't classified as people. And then, worse, she had multiple partners. Today is like, so what? Everybody, everybody does that. Not then. Then was a curse. Then was a lame. She was labeled. So when she was going to the well to drink water, she had to go on an off hour when nobody went because she was a disgrace. And Jesus does his whole turn to Samaria. He's going somewhere and he's like, detour, I'm going to go to Samaria. And the disciples are like, why are we going there? You know, nobody likes Samaria. We don't, we, don't, we don't hang out with those people. God says, it's okay. He does, but why did she have to go through all those things? Why did she have to have that reputation? Why didn't God just do something in her? Why was she not married? Why come she didn't have a good life? Well, because when she has a conversation with Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 15, she says, I'm thirsty, give me something to drink. She says, why are you asking me for water? She says, I'm going to give you water that you'll never drink again. Say refill. I'm going to give you this water. You're never going to ask for a refill again. Are you like me that constantly is drinking? Or you're the people that don't drink during what they eat? Man, right? You just, she's saying, I want, I'm thirsty. And I'm always thirsty. I'm lacking of something. She says, I'm coming back. Drawing water. But it's amazing because verse 39 gives you a whole perspective of why she had to live what she was going through. Because verse 39 says many of the Samaritans from that town. So let me give you backstory. God does something in her, forgives her, does a miracle, right? Does, does some, tells her something that nobody knew, accepted her. And then she says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. All that so that what? People can believe. Can you look at your pain? Can you look at your pain? Can you look at your struggle? And people believe in God because of what you've gone through. Can you look at God and go, man, it hurt. Jesus, man, my pain hurt. That experience hurt. Man, I can ask you the why question all day. But what you allow me to survive, what you allow me to live, I'm using it as a story, testimony, and people are coming to you and knowing about you. It's all perspective. God gave this woman vision. God gave this woman purpose because of what she was going through. And then people believed. 
So how bad do you want God's vision? We can continue on and we have one more week on this vision series before Easter Sunday. We have one more week and we can talk about vision and casting God's vision and everything that God wants for you. But how bad do you want it? How bad do you want God to use you? How bad do you really want him to change your life? How bad do you want to shine for Jesus? And will you pass? Are you trusted? Can God trust you as he's going to give you whatever he's going to give you? Or will you get discouraged with every little single thing that happens in your life because it's not going out the way you thought it was? Because the whole point of you existing and you living is because you're part of his story. You're part of God's story. And sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we miss that God is doing something in this world for people. And he's using his church to be the example of it. Example of his love. Example of someone pure and holy. He's using the church for that. And he'll allow you to go through hard times because whenever God desires and he allows a new trial, it'll develop a new prayer. Man, believe me, guys, I prayed when Ivan was like months. And he had to go to this surgery, eye surgery. And it was months. He was a baby. Me and I were like, we're like, we're a young girl. We're still young, but we're younger. And the doctor comes in and tells us, hey, we gave him more anesthesia than we should have. He's just a bigger kid. And he's not waking up. And we're like, oh, my God, this is what happened. And literally, we're in the emergency room from a in-day and day-out surgery. We came to an emergency room, then pushing us out of the way, everybody flooding my son. We're calling people like, oh, my God, like this, this became serious. He won't wake up. My prayer was different. Believe me. Believe me when I tell you. I started learning how to pray deep prayers. And it wasn't, okay, God, your will be done. It's up to you. Believe me when I say, I walked out of that room. Because there is no prayer more important than the words that were going to cut in my mouth. And I had to think what I was going to ask God and how I was going to ask him. You have no idea when things start shaping your prayer life. If you allow God to, he's going to use you as an example. Every time we pray for something and it didn't happen, and God said no. And God said no, not today, not right now. You're still in the you're still in the refining process, Jerry. I'm still doing something in you, and I'm like, man, still? Jeez, I know I'm like hard-headed, but man, God, this is, this is a long time in the fire, man. Like, what are you doing? It hurts. It does. You question. You ponder. 
and going to different places in ministry, different situations, different losses, different transitions, different sicknesses, different things that happen personally and then family and problems. And you start thinking, what in the world's going on? But it's whatever's tested, God is looking, who can he trust? Because the gospel is so important to him. The gospel is, is, is the hope of the world. And I want to leave you with this verse here in Matthew. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 21. Is having this lady coming to Jesus. She's crying out to Jesus, saying, Jesus, Lord, Son of David. He's, she's recognizing him. I know who you are. You're Lord. You're, you, you are the Messiah. You are the one we were waiting for. And maybe some of you guys tonight is doing that. God, I know you're God. And I have a need. He says, have mercy on me. I pray that prayer. God, have mercy on me. What I have to bear is hard. What I've had to sacrifice is hard. Because I knew there was a calling for my life. See, when there's a calling on your life and you know you're meant for something big, the enemy will do so much to kill you. There were so many things, so many times where I cry out, God have mercy because of where I come from, because of my past, because of things around me constantly taking me away from God's presence, constantly damaging me, constantly hurting me. The environment, the sin, friends, constantly. And I knew who I was meant to be. But as bigger the calling, also bigger the pain that this world will do anything to kill you, to destroy you. And I, I used to cry out to God, God have mercy on me. And this lady cries out, says, my daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Something has a control over her. And I remember my parents praying for me and my brother and my sister constantly every night. God, deliver my children from these things. Deliver my children from these things. And some of us, this is where we go wrong. Jesus did not answer a word. God, you didn't even look my way. I've been praying for so long. I've been carrying this pain. I've been carrying this addiction, man. I've been carrying this problem. You even heard me. Man, I get happy when people prayers get answered, but, but man, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's wearing me down. I'm losing faith. 
Jesus says he didn't even answer a word. And the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps on crying out after us. She's making a scene. She's humiliating us, Jesus. She's, she's right here behind us. Tell her to go away. He answered. And I hear, I thought, I was like, oh my God, now. Whoo! This is what we were waiting for because we were expecting for Jesus to hear how committed we are, right? I showed up to church two weeks, Jesus. Now we're good? And look at what he answers. I was only sent for the lost sheep of Israel. Not the answer I was looking for. Meaning, I didn't come for you. I'm not here for you. That is not what I want to hear from God. I'm going to leave you in the fire a little bit longer. I'm not done molding you. That's hard. God, I've been asking you for this. And your answer is wait. I'm not here for you. You're not important. Then the woman came back and she kneeled before him and cried out, Lord, help me. Okay, you know, God, you don't have time for me right now. I get it. You're busy. I get it. You're doing something. I get it. But now it's been a year and I've been here. And I've been coming back and back. Says he replies, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Okay, now you're getting personal, man. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. This is the lady's answer. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, even if the dogs eat the crumbs that falls from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, and this is what we want to hear from God. Woman, your faith is great and your request, and your request is granted and your daughter is healed. See, we want God to answer and tell us, you have great faith. You have great faith. You have great faith. And whatever you're going to ask for me, done. 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 But look at the process. She wouldn't leave the table. She wouldn't leave his presence. Because it wasn't degrading. It wasn't, God, you're ignoring me. She was saying, God, there is nothing in this life that is worth living without you. There is nothing that's going to heal my daughter if it's not you. I don't care. I don't care. I have faith you're going to do it. I don't care if you don't got time. I don't care. I don't care if you tell me no four times, five times. I don't care. You're the only one. And her, her eagerness, her devotion, God's saying, it's a test. Can you pass the test? It's a test. Being on fire leaves a mark. Leaving on fire leaves, leaves that smell that something was burned. 
Because you need to know who you are so that you can know who God is, so that you can know where he's taking you. You need to know who you are. Through the fire, he's going to refine that. Through the fire, he's going to show you who he is. And then you're going to be able to see where he wants to take you. I couldn't move on into this vision series without me challenging you to hold on. Hold on. Don't give up. I know it's been hard. We all have our process. We all have our stories. And we can sit here and share. And our night will be long, long, long. But just know, God will use it for something amazing in your story. So that you can share his story with passion and devotion. My prayer for you is that God can show you, keep you in the fire. And those that really want him will remain faithful to receive the blessing. Because when you come out of that fire, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into that fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, wait a minute, there's another, another person. That was Jesus right there with them. God is always with you. Even if you don't feel he is. Even if he's telling you to wait, he's right there with you. He's just increasing your story because your impact is bigger than your pain. Your story is bigger than your pain. When you tell people what you went through, they're going to be shocked and go, I want that God. That's the God I want to believe in. That's the God I want to trust in. He allowed you to go through that and you survive. I want that. I want him. I want that faith. I want that faithfulness. I want to be firm on that foundation. I want that faith. I don't want that religion. I want that faith. Why? Because you're a living proof that God is real. You're a living proof that the word of God is no lie. You're a living proof that the Holy Spirit is active and he's working and he's shining things in you and he's destroying things of your nature so that God can be revealed in all that you have and all who you are. You just have to hold on. Don't lose faith. You're right there. You're close to your miracle. You're right there. Don't run away. Don't stop praying. Don't quiet down on your worship. You're right there. You're closer than what you think. God's purposes are perfect. And that's what I want to pray for you tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we always want to say thank you first. Because a thankful heart, a humble heart is what you're looking for. I know that some of us have had a long journey. Some of us and some people here are still in that journey. But I pray for endurance. I pray for strength. I pray that as you're revealing things to them, they can see your faithfulness. And for them to know 
that if they still have breath, it's because you're still working. Even if they're still in the fire. The fact that they're here on a Sunday night in church. It's a miracle in itself. The fact that we have breath in our lungs. It's a miracle in itself. You're still working. You're still doing. You're still creating. And if we're not ready, God, allow our pride to go away. Because if we have made a commitment, and now I'm talking to those that are believers, that have made a commitment with God, that have accepted Him, for those of us, it's not about our lives anymore. We've been crucified with Christ. We have, we have killed our desires so that you can live through us. So if you're allowing us to go through the fire longer, it's because we have deeper sin you have to deal with. So that when we shine, we only shine your love. Because through this, they will know we're your disciples, if we love. So Father, we pray for people tonight to remain faithful in the process. Maybe they're going to go through the whole month and not receive a word from you. Allow them to hold on to your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.